This is Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Hello. And look at that. We're podcasting again, like what? on the regulars. Oh, I guess is... sometimes wishes don't come true. <laughs> Make sure your levels are good there, Mr. Steitler. All right. I'm actually very excited about this podcast because I got something out of this podcast. Yes. So remember last fall before the podcast went on hiatus and we yes. had the whole thing mm-hmm. of um, the American Birding Association was having a contest and we somehow accidentally ended up in the top three? Yes, I do remember that. Well, like the last week of Christmas, the American Birding Association started like hitting it again and we were mm-hmm. at number two. Yeah. And then I thought, oh man. And then like new year's eve happened it's like okay we're down to the final hours and we were still in like the top three so mm-hmm. you know I, I emailed a couple of friends people signed up mm-hmm. uh we got third place fantastic and so thank you thank you to everybody yes, and thank app- you very much and apparently it didn't count if you had relapsed or were renewing your membership you had uh-huh. to be a brand spanking new member sure. of the aba american birding association right. and so they called and they said uh you're one of the three, but we have to. You won third place. We have mm-hmm. to talk to the other two. I'm pretty sure you're getting one of the two trips because it was it was a pair of binoculars, a pair of ice, um, a trip to Trinidad, and a trip a trip for two to Trinidad, uh-huh. trip for one to Panama. Right. And um, he's like, "You're getting one of the trips," and I'm like, "Why would you choose binoculars over the trips?" <laughs> no, I completely get that. Like- <laughs> Like, I, okay, first of all, like, I know you're a Swarovski girl. They support you and everything. Zeiss are very nice binoculars. They are very nice. And, and I'm also for, coming to this from the point of I already have nice yes, binoculars. Yes, you get, I mean, you get, though. They, they, I already they, have a nice they set of optics. You. They give you these binoculars. No, I get that. Like, you would, like, this is something you can have for the rest of your life. This is something you can pass on to, you know, if yeah. you have a child and stuff. Like, these are, these are a thing that endure. But, like, a trip is a trip. Like, I, I'm I would... excited about a trip. So, first of all, thank you for joining the ABA, yes. all you new members, for listening to this crazy podcast that we do as a whim. And, uh, and yeah, so we're going to go to Panama. Yes. So, I have not heard from Carlos Bethencourt yet mm-hmm. uh, about when we can do this. Sure. Uh, and so it's it's a, it's a trip for one down there, and I think a, a five hundred dollar travel credit. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. I'm gonna go to Panama and have you know. <laughs> I'm gonna talk to Carlos. I'm sh- maybe we can figure out a way to share a room. Sure, maybe. <laughs> the other thing is, um, some of my friends have been like, "Can we come along too?" And I'm like, you can't stay in my room, but yeah, yeah it's a free country. If you want to go to Panama, absolutely. I'm like, yeah, but if both you and Bill go, is he gonna be mad that? you know, birders are going on this. And I was like, first of all, I do not expect the entire lodge to just be you and me. <laughs> I know. Right. So, um, so I don't know, maybe we could make this a thing where, um, if you want to go, I am not going to go, but I am not, I am probably not going to go birding anywhere, but at the lodge, I will probably look at the wildlife around the lodge. Can I tell you how this is? We're not staying at canopy lodge. We're staying at canopy tower. Tower. That's fine. But I'm, okay. I'm just saying, I'm going to enjoy the wildlife there. I am probably not going to go, I'm definitely not going to get up at like four o'clock in the morning to go march up a volcano to look for a chicken. So let me explain to you. Well, well, that's Guatemala. Oh, sure. You're not going to go look for a giant tree chicken. I'm just saying that's the scale I'm talking about. I know, I know. So here's what happens is like you get this package and like 
Canopy has several different. They have the new Canopy Camp, Camp Darien. Mm-hmm. They have Canopy Lodge. They have Canopy Tower. They have Canopy Bed and Breakfast, and right. they have Canopy Adventure, which right. is like a zipline thing. No, the place the place that we're going to is the place I'm very excited about because it looks like a supervillain base. Yeah, it's an old army barracks or old army that, like, observation is built tower above. The, the canopy of the trees and stuff. It literally looks like the Fortress of Doom. Yes. I've been there. I'll, I, I'll try and link to some of yeah. my old blog posts. But I also am linking to Canopy Tower. It does. So let me tell you about how things work there. Sure. So there are trips two or three times a day. Mm-hmm. And you have the option of going along on those trips. Or you can just stay at the lodge all day. And there's like an upstairs library. There's, of course, the the balcony. That mm-hmm. you, this is a 360-degree right. view that you can always look at. It's not like Canopy Lodge. Canopy Lodge has bird feeders and shit that you can look at. Right. Canopy Tower doesn't because they have a kawadi issue when they put out bird feeders. <laughs> but, I mean, you can still sit does. there. As one does. You can sit there and then howler monkeys are there. Here's so. my impression of the place we're going to. It's like, you remember that part in uh, Star Wars where they're flying into the base in Yavin 4 and the guy is in his little stand like scanning them with a speed gun, presumably to make sure that they're not violating the speed limit. That's what I imagine it looks like. Not exactly. Yeah. You picture a lot of cargo shorts. Okay, that's fine. But anyway, so... (laughs) That's the primary difference? I actually, last time I went, I did not spend any time in Panama City. I would actually kind of like to go to the beach in Panama City. Oh, sure. But, um... But anyway, so what I'm thinking actually about what I would like to do, just looking at the travel that I have coming up in the next six months, if there's no restriction on when we can do this, I'd like to do it in the fall during the fall raptor migration because I have always wanted to see the crazy shit that goes down. I want to see the one million turkey vultures that fly over the tower. Here's my question. Fine with me, first of all. That's great for me. Is this something that I would actually enjoy? Or is this like the hawk migration where it's tiny little dots in the sky and everyone is staring at that fascinated and I fall asleep behind a camper? You're not, you'd be, no, you would just be on the deck and all of sure. us would be like, oh my God, look at those million turkey vultures. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I mean, right. I'll be doing something otherwise else. when okay. you went there, you would just be, and I'm, yeah. So, but here's the thing. So like they have trips in the morning, so you can go birding along the canal. You should see Panama I, Canal. That is pretty deep. I would cool. love to see Panama Canal. Um, it's one of the great yeah. works of, of modern humanity. I, I agree. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, if we when we figure out the dates with Carlos uh, of when we're going to mm-hmm. go, if anybody wants to come hang we'll with us. We'll let you know. Yeah, we'll let you know. We'll let you know because, yeah, it, it'd be fun to meet people that listen to the podcast. And you should Maybe pop- we'll even podcast from the Canopy Tower. I think that's a must. We should we should interview Carl. Oh, we should interview Raul too. He's pretty interesting. He's right. the owner. Sure. And um, anyway, I'm just ex- I was really excited that we won one of the trips. It was going to be a win win for me either way because ever since I've been to Canopy Tower, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to go back. Sure. And it's never panned out for me to like lead a tour down there, but um, I've always wanted to go back. But I hadn't been to Trinidad. 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 Strong bad. Sorry. Strong Trinidad. Sorry, I got excited. I was thinking about oil birds, as you can see in Trinidad. But um, I was like, I either get to go someplace I've never been before, I get to go someplace that I've been before that was fantastic, and mm-hmm. I re- would really love to go and back And thank to. you also to the ABA yeah. for having this contest. Thank you, ABA, for having this contest. And th- again, thank you for everybody who signed up, and it's a good organization to join. You should. They actually had kind of an interesting thing today. And I know that, like, and I, well, we'll get to that in a second. I just want to say one last thing. I know that, like, the, like, some, like, the guy who won the, or the guy, the person who won the Zeiss binoculars, like, was really head up about it and really won. And, and we went into this, as we often do, with a joking response. 
like when oh, we did I, the... I wanted a trip. Let's oh, be clear. No, I understand <laughs> that. But like when we did the um, the thing to get new members to join, and we ended up like, and oh, there was yeah. no prize other than our own ego and stuff. And just like I'm just you happy. did get a little toy trophy out of that. I that did. Was well, I I think I actually bought that myself, but. <laughs> No, no, I got the, no, I bought that myself. No, you're misremembering. I was the birder of the year because I took the bird of the year sticker that they sent us and put that on there and declared myself birder of the year. But I'm just happy that this ridiculous thing that we do as a lark just encourages people to, to do. To join a really good national organization. organization. Right. And it's interesting. Today, there was a post from the American Bird Conservancy. Okay. Which... Um, it's a good organization. Mm-hmm. I think I have issues sometimes with the American Birding or the American Bird Conservancy because I see their advertising that they're doing towards me, and I'm like, that is not the advertising that gets me to give you money. That is the kind of advertising that makes me angry and makes me <laughs> want to avoid you like the plague. And uh, they had a blog post on the American Birding Association page about you know they want to do this whole hashtag bird together thing mm-hmm. and sign their petition, and I was like. Is this a petition to like actually do something, or is this a petition so you can get all of our contact information so you can? <laughs> but I like the idea of the American Birding Association and the American Bird Conservancy working together. I realize that the American Bird Conservancy does some important legal work to sure. keep protections in place. Mm-hmm. It's just the way they advertise just makes me angry. <laughs> okay. I feel like it's the chicken little type advertising uh, and like they've been oh, acknowledged sure, that. that. And, and I, I understand that there is a market out there that will give you lots of no, money gives, if you do I mean, that. Well, no, we, I mean, we've talked about this before. You were, you were bringing up, uh, I can't remember the specifics of the story. Like you figure out what type of marketing people respond to mm-hmm. and like, okay, here's, so the, the goal of advertising is to achieve X goal. Like mm-hmm. you want people to do this. And you can say, oh, people are these idealistic, rational human beings, and we just need to state clearly what's going on. And then that doesn't get a response. Whereas if you do Mm -hmm. this sort of maybe more alarmist thing, you get the money to achieve the actual goal you're trying to achieve. And they do cool shit with their money. They do like smart lawsuits and things like that. And it's like, oh, I see what you did there. That makes sense. But um, I I I don't begrudge people for... Doing what works if I agree with their goal. Here's the thing. Can I give you money mm-hmm. so that I don't get your advertising, but you get the money from me that you need? Why are you talking like Cruella DeVille? I don't Because <laughs> I am. <laughs> but no, it's just like... Here's my question about Cruella DeVille. Was she like going to go to a fashion thing and say, oh, that's a lovely coat. Thank you. I made it out of Dalmatian puppies. Where was she going to wear this coat she was making? You know, there are places where you can wear Dalmatian coats and you're <laughs> no, like, badass. No, there isn't. <laughs> you cannot go to Paris Fashion Week and say, oh, this was made out of puppies. No, they would throw you out on their ear. Anyway, so uh, American Bird Conservancy. You know what? People still get tiger... Throw rugs made out of actual tiger. Yeah. I think there is a market for someone somewhere to like just show up and be like, I'm so wealthy, I'm wearing puppies. <laughs> yeah. I think right. there's a market out there. I think I think there's a whole world of wealth that you and I will never comprehend. Oh, I'm sure, but I'm just saying. Like, anyway, we've really gotten off the track. American Bird Conservancy. Uh, okay, so American Birding Association. Great social group. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everyone, for joining. You're going to yes. get some great publications out of that. Uh, American Bird Conservancy. 
They do a lot of good work. Ignore their advertising. <laughs> they didn't give us a trip. They did not give us a trip. All no, right. I, I just, no, I realize I'm very conflicted about it. And, and I feel this way about so many organizations. It's like, I, I love all the animal wear. Oh, oh, I'm so irritated today because I love me a good wildlife rehabber. I love me a good, you know, pet organization. But once your organization starts publishing horrific photos that no one but a veterinarian should see, I'm done with you. Yep. I am done with yep. you. Yep. And someone posted a bald eagle photo today and I'm like, I hate you. I am blocking everything about you, and you will never get my money again. I know bad things happen. I did not need to see that in my news feed in the middle of the day. All right. Do we have news stories? We do have actual news stories, and I just want to make sure everybody knows how to do their advertising for me and not the rest of the world. All right. Uh, we have a st- oh, we have so many stories. Okay. All right. We actually don't have so many. We have some really cool, good stories. Okay. So, Subaru... It's always kind of vied with the Prius to be the official birding car. Oh, okay. You know, they, they, they've incorporated birding into some of their ads. I think even Catherine Hamilton, a.k.a. Birdspot, has even had some artwork with Subaru. Okay. Uh, they've taken it to the next level because their car has apps, the, the modern Subarus do. You know, mm-hmm. navigational apps and oh, things sure. like that, Yelp apps. Yep. Subaru now has an eBird app. Oh, good. So that, and what I get is that it's probably... Drive your car off the road into a ditch with Subaru. (laughs) I think it's kind of like uh, the Bird's Eye app that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, oh, this bird's been reported into eBird. And so, yeah, Subaru, you can go into your little eBird app and be like, what bird is nearby? And it will take you to it. That's interesting. Now, have they partnered with eBird or does eBird have like an API? I saw this because eBird linked to it on Facebook. So I'm thinking, well, they would have had to have partnered with eBird. Not necessarily. Like some, well, there's a thing called a, an API, which, um, like, for Netflix, if you want to subscribe, like, if you want to link to Netflix, they have an API, which is a public thing, uh, public interface, application public interface, I think is what it stands for, uh, that you can just create this, an app of your own, and it links into whatever, you know, Netflix information you're looking for. Like, when I go to instant watcher it tells me what the new releases are it tells me what's popular but that's not they don't give uh netflix any money this is something netflix has created so that other companies can uh coincidentally benefit their platform because netflix is popular i don't i don't well ebird is very popular i don't know i think ebird ebird is on board ebird ebird they're on ebird is on ebird ebird um but no, it's. I just cool. think it's cool. They they have a few apps on their vehicle, and one of those apps is... Is it a specific vehicle, or is it all, like, a certain tier? I can't imagine it's all Subarus. It's, like, a certain tier. I'm thinking it's the most recent Subarus sure. that have the apps. Well, that's interesting, because I know that there are, you know, a lot of cars actually have, you know, like, GPS and stuff built into it. But with the rise of smartphones, you sort of don't need that. Do you remember when you used to have... Do you remember when we paid a monthly fee so that you could have a GPS thing on your BlackBerry? Yes. And then Google decided to give that away for free yes. and completely destroyed all of those companies? That yes. Just... I remember that because uh, we paid for the one that uh, had all the weird accents. Mm-hmm. So we had the one that was... You had the one. Okay, that was, um, <laughs> it was like a Sean Connery, James Bond thing. Yes. It was called James, but yes. it would say like, up ahead, turn right. Right. Yeah. Excellent. So that's interesting that uh, they've, uh, I wonder if Ebert is going to respond by uh, by doing their own sort of 
GPS uh, app where it's like you don't just look it up, but it tells you well, it tells you as you're driving how to get to this bird. Yeah, that's that's what this app does. It's like no, the bird's eye app. Yeah, if you if you have the Subaru car, but I'm wondering if eBird for people who don't own Subarus is going to do a thing where it gives you turn-by-turn navigation. They, they, they have that. Oh, do it's they? It's called the Bird's oh, okay. Eye app. All right. We've talked about it. It's one of my all-time favorite apps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's that's a thing. That's a great thing. So, basically, you know, instead of having your phone do this, now your car is going to do it. Okay. Which I, I think I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I've never been kind of a car fan, so, like, whenever we've needed a car, it's been like, What's good right now? What does Consumer Reports say? What can we afford? Uh, I'm going to disagree with you here because the last time we bought a car, uh, we bought it uh, used from Enterprise. Yes. And we had two choices. We had the Kia, which we got, and then uh, the tier above, which we ended up not getting, was, I forget what the name of the car was, but it was basically this huge dome of glass, which you liked, number one, because that was you would a have Kia been higher. Also. It was a Kia, but you would have been higher, and also it was glass... Basically, it looked kind of like a minivan. It was glass all the way around. Maybe like it was an Aztec that you that would have been better for you to go bird watching. Yeah, we just couldn't afford it. We couldn't. Afford that it. was that was. The, but yeah. I mean, now I'm kind of looking at this because we are the sort of people who drive our car into the ground. You are the kind of person who drives our car into the ground. Yes, taking it on minimum maintenance and service roads. Okay, I'm not the only one for this responsibility for this car. <laughs> Mr. Oh, I really need to take this car in for an oil change. I'll take care of that. I mean, do we really want to go down this road? Yes, I do. Do we want to go down this minimum maintenance road? Probably not. <laughs> yes, we do. I'm sorry, how many soda cans do you have in the car there's right not, now? There's not actually a road here. It's just... Shocks are for losers. I see a deer, I see a deer <laughs> shaking its head at me. and It's like, I don't want to do this. One of my crowning achievements in life was that I got more than one. Squirrels are laughing at us. Fifty-five passenger bus to yes. go down minimum maintenance oh, roads. Lord, that's not something to be proud of. Hey, I was on a bus with Bill Thompson once that got put in the mud, and we had to push that thing out <laughs> in North Dakota on a rainy day. All right, hey let's... everybody, get onto this side of the bus while the rest of us out here go and push and try and get out of this mud hole. <laughs> What's our next story? Actually, how many times is that? Okay, so I've taken I've taken fifty five passenger buses down minimum maintenance roads, uh, Wisconsin, in Nebraska, in the Dakotas, more no th- North Dakota, not South Dakota. More than once, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, and only twice have we been stuck in mud. <laughs> I will say that when you get stuck in mud with me on a birding field trip in a fifty five right. passenger bus, we get you out. I was also at a bird festival where this happened to somebody, and they did not get the bus out, and a tow truck had to come. And if you think it's hard enough to get a tow truck for your car, car, car imagine uh, yeah. how long you have to wait for a tow truck specifically for a bus, a 55 passenger. Anyway, right. I'm just saying, I know how to get a bus out of some mud. Good. What's our next story? And we don't want to keep talking about the Subaru, because I kind of want to get a Subaru now. Great. The maple kind. Okay. They're not sponsoring us. Next story. Subaru, you should sponsor us. We will sell you so many Subarus. Well, one that we buy. What's our next story? I can't remember if we actually talked about this on the last podcast, but I feel like a better article has come out. I think I had the intention of talking about this on the last podcast, and we may have skimmed over it. But So, bird species. Right. There's a lot of them. Yes. There may, in fact, be... 
twice as many bird species as we think out Oh, there. is this the whole thing about uh, genus being removed or species, species being removed? Yeah. Okay, so so we're making more baby steps into that direction. I think right. I think ten years ago I said, No man, in ten years field guides are gonna change. Yeah. It's happening a lot slower than I thought. But oh. articles are coming out that we may have been thinking about species wrong. Maybe instead of thinking species and then subspecies, mm-hmm. maybe subspecies are actually species. Maybe we just kind of need to do away with species. Right. So anyway, this article has come out that there actually may be twice as many bird species in the world than what we think now. And it's with things like... Do these birds look any different? Well, yeah. Let's take fox sparrow, for example. All right. Fox sparrow. Right now it's one species. Okay. And you can see subspecies. Like when I was in Alaska last year, I got to see the sooty fox sparrow subspecies. The <laughs> fox sparrow species that I have pointed out to you in my All patch right. and you have acknowledged as cool, yep. that is the like red subspecies. But there's also some gray ones. There's essentially four subspecies okay. of fox, fox sparrow. They may be four species separately. Okay. This is only relevant to bird watching if A... The color variation is different, or B, the call is different. Something that people can actually see. Okay, now we're going to get something in. that people can actually experience without catching a feather or killing the bird, capturing the species, and analyzing the DNA. Okay, the Neo, I'm Morpheus. Which pill do you want to yeah, right. take right now? Because I'm going to blow your mind no, with I'm, some shit. I'm, in terms do you of, want me to? I'm, I'm, I'm no. Re- in terms of bird watching, it only matters if you can if there's a difference you can see or hear. Okay, that's bird watching. White-breasted nuthatches. Okay, saw is that some a bird? in the ground. You've seen a fucking white-breasted nuthatch. You know what that is. If there was one out here the other day that was so loud, I'm surprised it didn't wake you up. You have yeah. you you have pointed out a nuthatch to me, and you have actually said nuthatch. The only bird I know is the warbler, the white-crowned Arizona warbler. Nuthatch. You know what that is. All right. It's an ass-up bird. It's a, excuse me. You remember that story? No. Years ago, when I worked at the Wild Bird Store, this crazy old man came in one day and he said, I want some food to feed them ass-ups. I was like... Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, I, I was do. like, wait, okay, what? Yeah. what? And I kept asking him, he's like, you know, it's those birds, they go down the tree, ass-up. And I was yeah. like, I was very... Oh, like a nuthatch, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's a nuthatch. And I was like, are you swearing at me at a bird store? Anyway, yeah. white-breasted nuthatches. Saw some of those in the Grand Canyon last year. Okay. Completely different from the white... I mean, yes, they are a nuthatch. They have a white breast. Calls different. The behavior is different. Sure. It's just, it's like, wow, you you look like a white-breasted nuthatch, but you are not a white-breasted nuthatch. So basically what we say with species now is that if you can breed, then you're a species. Oh, God. Okay, let's just assume I've made every <laughs> joke that you're sure that I'm going to make. But that's... So, Fine. but now we're, but, but I mean, some of this is theoretic because, right. okay, these nuthatches in the Grand Canyon, no one has taken some of those nuthatches in the Grand Canyon and some of these nuthatches here in Minnesota, right. put them in a hotel room with some Barry White. Sure. That's fine. Okay. Here's what, okay. First of all, let me say, I understand the genetics of this. I understand where geneticists are, are coming from with this, where it's like, okay, we've discovered that here are the important differences we've you know, decoded the genome. All da, 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 da. Okay, that's fine. That doesn't matter for bird watchers. It's like like 15 years ago when you were trying to explain the difference between a very small Canada goose and a brant 
to me. It's like, oh, I'm not sure if I've oh, seen a brand or something sweetheart. like that. You want to say cackling goose because right now, okay. brand and Canada goose are definitely different. Species. Okay, but just like these things, it's like, okay, if you are, because birding is sort of the last citizen science that you can do. It's like, you can see this bird or hear its call. Like, if you have to capture the bird and kill it and analyze its DNA, it stops being something that people can do. And that is, I think that is what bird watching is. It's something that anybody can sort of go out and do. Do, do you want to know how fucked up this really gets? Shit's <sighs> about to get real. More fucked up than bird watching is normally? Okay, that's fine. So another thing is like crossbills could right. be several species. Like red crossbill could be several species. The only way that you can tell them apart is yeah. by chip note, not song, yeah. chip note, and is, the type of tree they're foraging on. This is why Could be six different watchers. species. This is, no, this is nonsense. But this so isn't, no. Okay, here's what, okay, first of all, okay, it's, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not nonsense. It is genetics and behavior and all of this stuff. What is going to happen is bird watching is going to break into tears, I guess. I mean, even more now than, like, my, my mother and father, they just, like, they enjoy, like, seeing the birds that come to their feeder. Yes. They don't care if they're interesting birds or not. But you're going to get into this whole thing of, it's going to... I guess, tear the science, I guess. Here's where it's going to really bake your noodle. Yeah. Okay, so we're looking at this strictly from a birding perspective. And the article that I am going to link to in the podcast is going to interview um, uh, a professor, uh, an ornithologist named Bob mm-hmm. Zink, who used to live here in Minnesota, but now is at the Nebraska State Museum. Sure. Minnesota lost a great guy when we lost him to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But Bob Zink's been at the the forefront of a lot of this. And and the article's like, hey, a bunch of scientists are making fun of you for saying that, that we have all these species. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about, that's fine, doesn't mean that what I'm saying isn't true. And I mean, it's a slow thing. Right. Birding-wise, we're kind of looking at this like, oh, this is insane. Our, our lists are going to go, our books are going to change. Let's think about, if we're looking at something at, like a spotted owl. And I mean, the spotted owl already has some issues. And so mm-hmm. if it really is three different species, are all three of those endangered? Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at the ramifications of, is the fox sparrow one species or is it four species? Is mm-hmm. the spotted owl oh, one yeah. species or three species? Nuthatch, same thing. If so, it, the the argument is there that we need to redo the 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 Linnae system. But if we do that, the ramifications not even for birding, not even for field guides, but for how museums house things, for how the Endangered Species Act works, for how the Migratory mm. oh, Bird sure. Treaty works, for how that works not only for North America but how that works worldwide. It is a gigantic, untasty cluster of fudge mm. shit snack. It's just messy. And I think more ornithologists and reasonable people that are starting to read some of the data are like, oh, yeah, I see what you're saying here. That makes sense. But in the grand scheme of things, of how things work, so much is going to have to change, and I don't know if it can change. Science ruining everything for 600 years. Science. 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 Yeah, so, I mean. Science. 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 Uh, so I've been, yeah, so I've I've been kind of following this, and I think for me it's like okay, this makes sense, especially after seeing some of these species that they're talking about that are separate species. But it's like we do not have the infrastructure to deal with this. I mean, just U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Did you know alone, penguins are actually potatoes? Science proves it. No, I'm, <sighs> I'm just I'm, I'm 
Especially now that I'm a federal employee, I'm just kind of thinking about this. Like, oh, man, if we have to change all those classifications and rules and who is protected and who's not. So, I mean, you could have arguments that bald eagles in Minnesota, you guys are golden. Bald eagles, maybe you're a subspecies. Although I don't really think there's much in the argument that there's a subspecies of bald eagles. All right. Anyway, anyway, (sighs) read this article and really think about it. And I know we've kind of made fun of species is going to change before in this podcast, but... Now, actually looking at You know what will it. never change? Species the movie, because it's fantastic. No, that actually has to be like three different movies now. <laughs> it is three different movies. Oh. Well, the first one is Natasha Henstridge and Ben Kingsley. And then the second one, the guy is the alien. And then the third one I didn't see. All right, next story. Uh, geolocators. <laughs> Same to you. <laughs> So, you know, we've talked about geolocation. This is the last story. Uh, We've talked about geolocation with Project Snowstorm. And if you haven't been checking in with Project Snowstorm Mm -hmm. this winter, they're getting some interesting results. Yeah, didn't they have like two birds come back or something? They've they've had a bird. Two birds that they haven't heard from before? Birds come back, but they're not getting all the data. They will eventually get the data. There's just been kind of a hiccup, so it's not good. But anyway, Project Snowstorm. I think they're doing a fundraiser right now. Give money to Project Snowstorm. Fascinating stuff for learning about snowy owls. But they're also putting geolocators on Kirtland's warbler, one of the rarest warblers in North America. Used to only breed in Michigan. Now they breed in Wisconsin. So this is where the bird needs to go, and it finds, like, uh, an aluminum tin that's been buried in the snow, and there's, like, stamps and stickers in there, and they can write notes about what they think about stuff. It's not geocaching. Oh. Well, then why are we talking about this? No, no. So geolocation is like we have little transmitters on these birds. Yes, okay. So we know, I guess that's important. Too. We know where they're going. We know how high they're flying. We know where they're landing. Basically, we know all these things about birds that if we realized that this is what the federal government is doing to us, we would be up in arms about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're finding out some really interesting things about Kirtland's warblers with some of these transmitters. For example, their trip north from their uh, wintering grounds to their breeding grounds on average takes about 15.7 days. Oh, okay. Which is fascinating when you think that the bird is that tiny. Most migrants stopped over three times. First, they stopped in Florida mm-hmm. after they made landfall from crossing the Gulf. Snow goals, uh, snow, snowy owls go all the way to Florida. Oh, no shit. We're talking about Kirtland's warblers. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. you. T- I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. Uh, then they stop in northern Florida, mm-hmm. then southeastern Georgia or southwestern mm-hmm. South to Carolina. To pick up some pork rinds. Oh, like you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they cross the Appalachians and they go to Ohio and then the West. It's crazy to think about warbler crossing the Appalachians because I mean we've you know we've traveled to uh, Virginia like yeah we've driven through yeah, like, yeah and that's a hell of a thing to do in a car yes especially yeah. following your dad. <laughs> Yes, I feel like that's like where I like really earned your dad's respect was following him in a car through the Appalachian Mountains. Because like we even stopped at one point and he's like, how you doing there? Crash. And I was like, yeah, you knew I was struggling to keep up with you, but I did. (laughs) I have your respect. Here's the thing about my dad. It's like when you travel the uh, tollway, it's like they time like how fast you can legally drive through there. So that if you, like, because you get your ticket stamped when you enter the tollway and when you end the tollway. And if it's too fast, they can legally write you a ticket for speeding. So my father plans the lunch break so he can drive as fast as possible, stop for 45 minutes to get lunch, and then drive as fast as possible. And it still looks like he drove, he drove the speed limit the entire way there. Your, your, your dad is a fascinating subspecies, if I may. <laughs> 
your dad. He's a dad. He's super quiet. Yes. You know, he thinks before he speaks, which I am fascinated by. I don't by. know. I, I miss that gene, apparently. Because I do not. No. I do not. But, I mean, your dad, I mean, like, even, yeah. like, when you, like, answer the phone, there is a pause even yeah. before he says hello. He thinks before he speaks. He yeah. is a smart man in that respect. Anyway, in social situations, quiet, always thinking. Get him behind the wheel of a car. Mm-hmm. I have heard no, swear actually, words that I have not heard from my mother, and she swears like a sailor. Yeah, no, there's actually a Disney cartoon, like one of those, like one of those goofy, like instructional cartoons, like those safety cartoons about like he's a normal, he's a normal human being, and put him inside the car, and like he turns into an, he turns into animal from the Muppet Show. Basically. He, Bill's yeah, dad really does. That's he lets it all out. Then, if yep. you have only met Bill's dad in social <clears throat> circumstances, you would not recognize him behind nope. the wheel of a car. And I'm just like, this is fast. Saves it all up. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, so Kirtland's Warblers. Kirtland's Warblers, who are also the, on... on so they fly a, over the Appalachians, cursing the entire time. Yeah, so so the North Trip takes on average 15 days, 15.7 mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. The Southward Trip mm-hmm. takes 18.1 days on average. Oh, sure. I Interesting. I Then they go a little bit yeah. different route. Mm-hmm. So uh, they'll go uh, east from Michigan to southern Ontario, northwestern Pennsylvania, and to western New York. And then they'll migrate uh, the coast front to, of North and South Carolina. And then mm-hmm. they rest before they go to the Bahamas. <laughs> as one where, does. As, which is where they spend the winter. So. Fascinating. So, so wait. So if, and this is not an accusation. No. This is just genuine. So if Shacuse. I... If I donate to Project Snowstorm, does that money go to... No, that does not... Okay, that this is, is just... Okay. I you, I was talking about Project Snowstorm okay. and Snowy Owls. This is a completely different story about Kirtland's Oh, ah, okay. I was tying it together because Snowy Owls have geolocators on them. Oh, and some okay. of these Kirtland's Warblers right. do. I can give you any number of organizations to give money to for Kirtland's Warblers. I'm sure you could like that. Here's the point we're at in our marriage and our relationship. That sentence didn't surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah okay yeah that's the world i live in now yes my wife knows multiple locations where you can donate to the tracking of Kirtland's warblers fascinating cool that's that's always it's always interesting to me to learn how birds get from a to b and so, i mean so, like, so, uh, and just... i mean you, you and i'm sorry i'm gonna be insane for a second here you talk about like what these birds do like a Kirtland's warbler flying over the appalachians to my basic mind, is not less insane than the idea that hummingbirds sat on the back of red-tailed hawks to get down to Mexico. Canada geese. Canada geese, I'm sorry. Because that's crazy to think that a hummingbird could fly across the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. So, But that's fascinating that, you know, because we have these radio trackers, it's like, oh, yeah, we learned this crazy thing that birds so do. So, crazy thing, I'm just realizing in our marriage, do you not understand how rare Kirtland's warbler is? Oh, is this the bird where it's like one bird has to mate with another bird and then back mate? It's like you create a hybrid and then the hybrid mates back. Now you're confusing Kirtland's warblers with the whole golden-winged warbler, blue-winged warbler. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. It's like, is 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 it crazier than that? I don't think it's crazier. I think I've just protected you from it. So Kirtland's warblers. Thank you so much. (laughs) No, it's just one of those things. So Kirtland's warblers. When I first knew you, that 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 mm-hmm. is arguably the rarest bird. The I know, no, let me take that back. Kirtland's warbler, rare bird breeder in the North America, sure. had a breeding population when I first knew you that would only have been in Michigan at that okay. point, 
And they they relied on a recently burned jack pine forest. Mm-hmm. And so the so when I first met you, there was only a population breeding a population population. It's a uh, population. Ark, 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 ark. So there was a population of Kirtland's warblers uh, only breeding in a certain area in Michigan. Sure. You could only see them with certain guides, maybe if there was right. a festival at the time. And that population has slowly been growing because we have this. And, and they also have, they, they they winter in the Bahamas. This is a bird okay. that when I was a kid, I was like, oh, this is going to go extinct in my mm-hmm. lifetime. This is going to be like the seaside sparrow. The dusky seaside sparrow. Sure. I get this. Um, but it's not. The population is growing. And it's been growing so much in wisconsin it is a matter of time until there's a spot in minnesota where we're going to have have them breeding here possibly in 2017 or 2018 that's how mutation works it's no 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 this is how like successful programs of like not eliminating habitat and getting rid of some of their competition works uh I well, what I'm saying is, like, that's how, like, evolution works, is, like, this species evolves and it starts to take advantage. It's like when sparrows it's came over to... It's not evolving. I mean, we're bending over backwards to make some breeding habitat What I'm saying this. is, like, this is the, an example of a species taking advantage of a situation. It's like, oh, this, this crazy species, like, things have evolved now, or, like, things have changed now, where, okay, like, sparrows were not supposed to... European sparrows were not supposed to be in America, but they've taken off, like, wildfire because of... And I can't imagine why, because it's not like we don't have friggin' predators here, and they're dying off in, in England. Okay, so here's a fascinating thing. So, the I guess the mutation would be that certain bird species are learning to take advantage of humans. Mm-hmm. Eastern bluebirds, purple martins, chimney swifts, because right. they're relying on us for nesting habitat. And in a certain way, Kirtland's warblers are relying on us to create this young jack pine forest habitat that they like. Mm. They're also relying on us to kill off the cowbirds to keep the cowbirds from putting eggs in their nest. True. If you if like if you work on a Kirtland's warbler project, if you're someone's like, I want to help Kirtland's warblers, you know what you gotta do? You gotta kill a lot of cowbirds to keep the cowbirds from laying eggs in their nests. Mm. Cause then the Kirtland's warbler raises a cowbird instead of a Kirtland's warbler. Yeah. Do we have another story? No. because uh, I wanted to keep this short. Let's end on that depressing note. We need this to end is... on something I just don't want to talk bird. about killing cowbirds. That's how we end every podcast. That's how we've ended 216 podcasts up till now. No, not all of them ended kill... up with cowbird carnage. It's <laughs> the name of the podcast. This is the Bird Chick Podcast. If you have anything you want to talk to Sharon about, she is on Twitter. She is at Bird Chick. You can email her, Sharon, at birdchick.com. And you can find the official Bird Chick page on Facebook. We'll be back later. I hope you're doing well and happy 2017.